Thanks for listening. Goody will drive. Left hand and flush over the top of Kipnig. Pull back, step back three. Bottom! Mavericks, it's short. Tip back in. Weaver got it. Yes! Neely, the handoff. Jones for the tie. Oh, no. oh he's down! And one! Presents itself with what you got to take. You can't. It's knocked away. Still loose. Doherty the heave. Oh, my God! Welcome to the Straight Out of Whack podcast. Another episode of the Straight Out of Whack live show here on this Thursday evening. There are a couple of women's games tonight Portland State at Stephen F. Austin and Southern Utah at New Mexico. I mean, it says Portland State. I think that's supposed to be uh, Portland, the Portland Pilots, but I'm going to check that out real quick on the SFA Jacks official site because uh, on the Western Athletics site, it has Portland State. So let me just clarify. Yeah, so they're actually playing the Portland Pilots, not Portland State tonight at Stephen F. Austin. Uh, the Pilots are really, really good. They smoked Oregon last week. Uh, CBU beat them, and Portland also uh, smoked or beat really bad uh, Skyler Young, their former associate head coach, and the Seattle U Redhawks earlier. So uh, SFA is hosting Portland, and then Southern Utah is at New Mexico. There are no men's games until Saturday uh, but we're going to get, a, we have a lot to get to tonight. There was an article in the athletic that I want to talk about real quick. Actually, before that, let's just go through this. If you haven't subscribed yet, go to whackhoopsnation.substack.com. Make sure you become a free subscriber. So you have the newsletter in your inbox. It'll come out Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. Uh, we will also have stories. That's where all of our contents will be as well stories that we've written daryl trujillo went to the utah tech california baptist women's game last night in st george he wrote an article about the cost of his trip you should read that it's kind of interesting we also have some stories some write-ups about teams that are going on we wrote up about utah tech today the men's team is 2-0 in whack play kind of a surprise there 10 newcomers for john judkins and his crew and they beat utah valley and california baptist in their first two whack games and then Daryl had the write-up from his the game against between Utah Tech and CBU last night, Burns Arena on the women's side. So make sure you subscribe. We offer free subscriptions. And if you're feeling generous enough during this Christmas holiday season, $8 per month or $80 per year, one-time payment. So any support is welcome. We love you know the sharing that we have of this content for this wonderful league uh, that we hope will continue to stick together because – as you know, the college landscape, college athletics landscape is changing from year to year. And there's a lot of pieces still in play to move. Let's just put it that way. Well, let's get to this article by The Athletic. I shared it today. I'm going to pull it back up here because it's a big time thing. There was a lawsuit against the NCA that was filed today, an antitrust lawsuit uh, challenging the transfer eligibility rule. Now, we all know that if you're a two-time Division I transfer and you're not a grad transfer, the rule right now is you'd have to sit out a year, right? You wouldn't be eligible immediately unless you got a certain waiver. Right now, there is a big-time name in the WAC that is ineligible or has been deemed ineligible because of this rule, this, this eligibility, this transfer eligibility rule. Philip Russell from Southeast Missouri State transferred to UT Arlington. He averaged 18 over 18 points a game 
that Southeast Missouri last year led them to the NCAA tournament. The article states right here that a potential injunction would apply most directly to men's and women's basketball at the moment. And if a judge were to grant an injunction, it would likely render any Division I college athletes currently seeking a waiver as immediately eligible to participate. Now, I probably will have to confirm with UT Arlington to see if because he was denied already that he would be eligible if the, in this case. But if this sticks and he does become eligible, watch out for the Mavericks. They're already really good this year. Now you're going to add a double-digit proven Division I score to the mix who probably was going to be in the mix for your point guard, maybe your two guy. Uh, yeah, this will be big news if this happens, if an injunction is placed on this way, this transfer eligibility rule uh, from this lawsuit that's come about. It came about from uh, the Ohio Attorney General as well as um, it was filed in West Virginia. Uh, Ohio, let's see. It was filed in West Virginia and includes Ohio, Colorado, Illinois, New York, North Carolina, Tennessee, and West Virginia. So uh, this is big news. This is really, really big news that if it goes through, we may see a very big impact player become eligible in the Western Athletic Conference. So, uh, yeah, let's pay attention to that rule. I just wanted to go over that because that is some big news. We didn't have a show yesterday. I was a little under the weather. I apologize. I think it was a stomach bug, maybe something I ate. I don't know. <clears throat> but you should have seen me. I was wrapped up in my blanket over here on my recliner, just watching all the whack games that were going on. Obviously, the California Baptist at Utah Tech women's game. I was watching Utah Valley at Idaho State women's game that came down to the last second as well. Uh, I watched UTRGV beat Texas Stadium Corpus Christi on the men's side. Big, big time win in the South Texas showdown, especially considering that the Vaqueros haven't beaten a Division One team all season. So that that that's big in and of itself. To beat a rival on their home floor, that's even bigger. <clears throat> Aaron Freeman was really good last night. The Vaqueros looked more efficient offensively and looked like a, co a cohesive group. Maybe that's because Texas A&M Corpus Christi isn't great. But they did go to the NCAA tournament. I know that Steve Lutz moved on to bigger and better things. So uh, it's a little new team uh, down there in South Texas. But either way, a nice win for UTRGV, Matt Feger, and the crew to get their first Division I win of the season. They've been in some close ones. They've been in some close ones. They lost on a buzzer beater at Tarleton on Saturday. They lost in the last maybe two minutes or so to Grand Canyon. They made it within, I believe it was like six or seven against GCU in Edinburgh last Tuesday. So it's good to see UTRGB get over the hump. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I watched Utah Tech at California Baptist on the men's side. I also watched ACU hosting Northern Arizona. ACU lost on a buzzer beater. It's their second home loss to a Division I opponent. And here's the thing. NAU isn't bad. I believe, if I remember right, they've already beaten Seattle in Seattle. Um, I want to look at it here just so I can confirm that. I need to be very, very clear about that. Yeah, Northern Arizona beat Seattle at Climate Pledge Arena. So... This is their second win over a whack team. But either way, it hurt that Arian Simmons had cramps late in the second half because uh, he was playing lights out for the Wildcats. 
remember we talked about SFA last year and those home losses, the one in Northwestern State, the one in Alcorn State, how that was going to hurt their seeding. Now, I'm not saying, you know, it's too early to tell, but we we focused on that so much with the WAC resume seeding that we have to do it again here for Abilene Christian, okay? The two losses that they've had, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up here. The two home losses that they've had to Prairie View and to now Northern Arizona, those were sub-200. There still are sub-200 Ken Palm teams. Prairie View was at 252 when they beat Abilene Christian. Northern Arizona was at 223 when they beat Abilene Christian. Those are going to, if Abilene Christian makes it to the WAC tournament, those are going to hurt big time, like significantly. Okay, the impact that those losses that SFA had at home last year, those are those are they're, they're just killer. They're a difference between maybe a six seed and a four seed. Okay, and you want to have one of those top four seeds, the top two seeds obviously get a bye to the semifinals, the top uh, four seeds get a bye into the quarterfinals. So um, it's just one of those things, and only eight teams make it. So there's still. A lot of work to do if you're Abilene Christian. Hopefully, Arian Simmons, the cramps are gone. He's okay. Uh, but they need to pick up a win bad. I mean, they've lost four straight. They got beat by Missouri State in the Paradise Jam Championship. Even though they got out to a quick start, they lost by 18. They lost by 15 at UT Arlington to open up whack play. Then they lost in overtime in a game that they probably should have won against SFA. They had a lead late, kind of gave it away there at the end. And then Northern Arizona, they were around, just those buzzer beaters hurt. So they have Howard Payne on Sunday before they have a week off before hosting Joe Golding, former head coach in UTEP at Moody Coliseum. So just uh, those are bad losses. Let's just put it that way. They're really bad losses. We can look at the WAC resume seating system right now. I don't know if it's on the website. It was earlier this week. There it is. So I want to break this down for you. I'll share my screen so you can see. Let's see, where are we at here? Here we go. I will share this with you. As you can see, we got the WAC resume seating system here, right? And if you can see it, there are losses, the losses to Prairie View cost Adeline Christian a half point. The loss to Northern Arizona, it hasn't been calculated yet, but I'm assuming that they're going to lose 0.74 of a point. They would have earned 0.26 if they would have won. So you can see how bad that's going to hurt. Because remember, every game is weighted by one point, Okay. So you lose points for losses, and you gain points for wins. They gained 0.55 of a point for beating San Jose State. So that's how bad home losses are going to hurt. Okay? Just wanted to point that out. It's big time. You have to win your home games, especially against teams that have lesser opponents. Now, for a team like GCU, they're going to get significant points for beating San Diego State, 25th-ranked team in the country. Um, it has they got 0.78 points for beating San Diego State at home on Tuesday night. Just a big win for Bryce Drew and his crew. 
and the Lopes, you know, making a statement that they belong. They have an even bigger statement that they can make by if they go to Lynchburg on Saturday and win that game against Liberty. So just, yeah, just win your home games, guys. Let the, you, you don't pay these teams. You don't get these teams to come to your own gym without the thought that you're going to win games. Speaking of winning a home game, and I'm going to have the voice of Lancers on in a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about that CBU-Utah Tech game last night in Riverside. Quite the finish. Quite the unexpected outcome. And we have another... Okay, here's the here's the thing. We have two of the four two the two transition schools that are in their final year of transition. They're both two and zero in whack play. Tarleton beat SFA in Nacogdoches. Then they had Jacory Smith's buzzer beater to escape UTRGV at Wisdom Gym. Utah Tech has beat Utah Valley, and then they went into Riverside and beat CBU. So we're going to talk about that game in a little bit, but. Man, and Tarleton's doing it without Billy Gillespie. He is still sidelined with the medical circumstance. I haven't been told any differently. I'm hoping maybe when I'm down there on uh, the 18th for their game against Jacksonville State that he will be there coaching, but we'll see. Uh, maybe I can talk to him and see how he's doing. But, yeah, I mean, Ja'Cory Smith's been dynamite. Bayon Riley for Utah Tech has been really good. Uh uh, we'll talk about the trailers. Here's the thing. People don't understand. John Judkins, and I wrote this in my article today on the on the Substack. John Judkins has now won 609 games in his coaching career. Like, he's the all-time winningest collegiate coach in the state of Utah. So that should tell you everything you need to know about his crew. Can they keep doing it? Sure. We'll see. They're young. Um, somebody just raised a question here and I'll, I'll point it out. How do I think GCU will be with Blackshear back? Good question, Cody. Very good question. So I'll leave that up there so people can see what I'm answering. You get your point guard back, but how is that going to impact that starting rotation? Who's going to go to the bench? That's the concern. Or are they going to bring Javon slowly working back into? I think we have to look at this from two perspectives. When he becomes a starter, if he becomes a starter, who does that impact? Because we know that Tyron Grant Foster is not going to come off the bench. We know that Ray Harrison is not going to come off the bench. Will Colin Moore be willing to come off the bench if that's the case? Okay. Then you have – I don't think it will impact the big guys. I think Gabe and Duke will continue to start. But if he doesn't come off the bench, how does he handle that? Or, I mean, if he doesn't start, excuse me, how does he handle that? Um, I think they're going to work him back. I think he's going to come off the bench initially. But I'm very interested to see how the rotation work, how the mindset of some of, the, of these guys that have started the whole season, you know, Colin Moore, Tyon Grant Foster, Ray Harrison, how that impacts the guard line. You know, Ray Harrison's been really good with the ball in his hands as the point guard this year. Um but I think you have to have Javon there because now it gives Ray a little bit more freedom um, off the ball. And then you have two dynamic scores with Ray and Tyon Grant Foster. So I can't answer that. I think they'll still be very, very good because they're deep, right, at the garland. They're extremely deep. And Josh Baker's just getting his feet back under him, you know, from that surgery. So I think 
it'll be a good thing. It just depends on how people handle the changing of the rules. Because right now they have it going on. Like we, we, we can't deny that, right? You don't want to disrupt something that's really been working. Ray Harrison at the one, you know, Colin Moore at the two or three, or Ty and Grant Foster at the other two or three spot. Like it's been working. So how we have to see how that'll be impacted when Javon comes back and what Bryce Drew and his staff are going to do because don't disrupt something that's working, right? You just beat San Diego State. You have a chance to go in and beat Liberty this weekend. Yeah, don't change it. I think I think you have to look at that from an outside perspective. So we'll see what they do in that regard. Great question, though. I appreciate it, Cody. Uh, if you have any questions, tune into the YouTube live stream. We're on Wacoops Nation uh, on the YouTube channel, and you can send me your questions. We also on Facebook under the Wacoops Nation page, so you can send questions. As we're talking here, uh, I'm waiting for my next guest to get on whenever he's ready. Uh, he, I told him. Five third, four thirty his time. But I mean, if he wants to jump on at any time, you know, we'll be ready to talk. But Utah Tech CBU women last night, a milestone was hit. Brianna Gillen, she became the all-time leading scorer for the Trailblazers. She scored. Oh, let's see. Where is it at? Where is it at? She had 16 points last night, so she has a total of 1,217 points in her time at Utah Tech and became the Utah Tech career scoring leader on a straightaway three-pointer in the third quarter. We'll show you the three-pointer that she hit to... Um, the three-pointer that she hit to become the all-time leading scorer. This is great rebound there from Kate Deaver. Gillen from three, there is it oh. swirls in, and she is the all-time leading scorer for the Trailblazers. Look at Gustin, you love that. So there you go. She hit it on a three, too. So here's the thing. She's not known for a three-point shooting, but she's had to improve that this year because she knows teams are going to sink off her because she likes to go to the hole. Like, that's just the way that she goes, right? She'll go left, and then she'll spin back right. She'll, she likes to attack the rim. So pulling up in three, in transition for three to set the record, to break the record as the all-time career scoring leader at Utah Tech. Pretty impressive. Her coach had something to say about that last night. I'm going to read it from Daryl's article here on the Substack. J.D. Gustin. Uh, I'm trying to pull this up. Here we go. Let's read it. Uh, She's a tremendous person who cares about everybody and holds them accountable. When we got her, we knew we were making the jump, but I imagine her being a really good wing. She put the work in on her jumper and the rest of her game, and she's become the best player we've ever had at this institution. So big shout-out for Brianna Gillen, Utah Tech guard, point guard, first team. Well, she's actually a preseason player of the year, if you remember. Uh, All-whack player as well, who is now a career scoring leader at Utah Tech. Unfortunately. It was in a losing effort last night. California Baptists, Lancers, red hot. Jared Olson's crew, just red hot. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can't. Chloe Webb, Chloe Lemon. It's just, it, it's unreal what they're doing right now. Um, 
Yeah, they're seven and zero overall, two and zero in whack play. They beat a Portland squad in River side that smoked Oregon last week. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Chloe Lemon, Felipe Barrows. They're just they're winning games. They're finding ways to do it. They play pace and to get another road win, seventy eight sixty nine, over a very good Utah Tech squad. Um, Jared Olson with the comments um, about his underclassman Chloe Lemon. Chloe's been playing well so far this year, but she was huge tonight with some timely three pointers in her defense. He also had this to say: it was also good to see Felipa have a nice outing. Um, yeah, it's just. Just one of those things, you know, we've talked with Jared Olson and he still says they haven't really found their groove. What does that mean when you're seven and oh, so uh, the, the CBU Lancers doing big things under Jared Olson, seven and oh, two and oh, and whack. Um, and the Lancers go to, I believe they have another home game this week. Going to look it up here. No, they're at Pepperdine, so they don't leave the state of California. And then they host uh, Cal State. They they they're at Pepperdine on Saturday and host Cal State Fullerton next Saturday uh, before a WAC CUSA scheduling initiative game against Louisiana Tech on December 18th. So uh, they have four games left in their non-conference slate at Pepperdine, Cal State Fullerton in Riverside. La Tech in Ruston and then Texas Southern. So they're playing two games in Texas or in that southeastern area as they play at Texas Southern December 20th before having a week off before hosting Utah Valley as WAC play will resume in January. So Jared Olson's crew very likely could be 11 and 0 going into WAC play uh, re- resuming in January. Uh, they could be. I'm looking at this. They could be 14 and 0 when they go to Abilene Christian on January 13th. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that's the case because uh, we've seen how well Abilene Christian's been playing lately. Yeah, this is a very good CBU team, kind of like what Jared Olson had in 2020, 2020, 2021 uh, with Ana Oleda and Caitlin Harper um, and that undefeated team that ran through the WAC and the WAC tournament. So, uh, we'll see what the Lancers do. Anyways, if you're watching on YouTube, submit some questions. I'd love to answer them, love to share them. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this UTRGV men's game last night. I really think, if I remember right, the, the Vaqueros only trailed like once or twice in the game. I, I need to look it up, just confirm. I wasn't following the stat cast. I was watching the broadcast, actually. Um, okay, the lead changed eight times, but I think that happened late in the game because UTRGV led for a majority of it, and they jumped out to a 13-15-4 lead. Sherman Bashir's layup gave him a 15-4 lead. Um, they never trailed in the first half. Oh, they did one time. There was a free throw with 31 seconds left by Shiloh Jackson that gave Texas A&M Corpus Christi a 33-32 lead, but C.J. Booker responded with a layup that gave the Vaqueros 34-33 halftime lead. So that's one lead change. So, yeah, all the other lead changes happened after halftime. I mean, the first Gary Clark, the former Tarleton uh, forward, had a layup to start the second half. 
Um, and then it was so it was tied or JJ Howard made free throws. So there's one, two. I'm looking through here. Three. Four. Yeah, I mean, there was only four times in the second half that Texas A&M Corpus Christi took the, took the lead. But every time, UTRGV had an answer. You know, it, it, there was a 5-0 run late with, in, uh, as with four minutes left to go. J.J. Howard hit a jumper. Uh, Sherman Brashear, or C.J. Booker had a three-pointer, excuse me. And then Aaron Freeman had a layup. So it was a little 7-0 run that kind of gave UTRGV the lead for good. although. They did almost give it away late. Um, J.J. Howard hit free throws to give him a three-point lead. But a foul, I'm not sure if that was intentional or if it just happened because uh, Lance Amir Paul was going to the, to, the, to the rack. But he hit two free throws to make it a one-point game. J.J. Howard made one of two. And fortunately, Lance Amir Paul missed a jumper at the buzzer to give UTRGV the win. Now... The, the good news is they got a Division One win. The bad news is they – I don't even know if it's bad news. They get to host Texas A&M Corpus Christi on Friday, next Friday. So they have a week off before they play, nine days in between games because the final week, obviously. Uh, but Matt Figures crew, they uh, host Texas A&M Corpus Christi on the 15th. Then on the 18th, they're going up to Chicago to face Chicago State, the Cougars. Joining the NEC, congrats on the to the Cougars. Always a fan of Chicago State, wishing them all the best. My guy Sam Brief, I may have to tune into that game if he's going to be on the broadcast. So uh, we'll see what happens. Anyways, and then uh, they host Incarnate Word on December 30th. So they have three games left on their non-conference slate before uh, taking on Stephen F. Austin in Edinburgh when WAC play renews on January 4th. So Matt Figures crew. Right now, three and seven overall. Finally got that win over Division One opponent. They've been really close. I think I mentioned this. They lost to Tarleton on a buzzer beater. Lost to Grand Canyon by 10, but that game was closer than that final score. Um, you know, and they've been scoring points. That's the best part. Okay. Let me tell you this. They lost by 21 to South Dakota earlier this season in Vermilion. They scored 79, but it, the game wasn't as close as that final score kind of indicates, that 179 score. They scored a lot of points late when it was too late. Um, then they scored 55 at TCU. They scored 66 at Oklahoma. Now, those are two Big 12 teams, so I get it. Uh, against Hawaii, they scored 57. Against Arkansas State, they scored 58. So they've scored no less than 70 points. Well, they scored 69 um, against Grand Canyon. Maybe if they hit a couple more free throws, they would have been in the 70s, but they've scored 75 and 74, 76 points in their past two games. So their offense is coming around. We like to see that. And now they have a week off to maybe get some wrinkles uh, figured out. Anyways, we're going to be going to take a 30-second break, come right back, and we're going to have a special guest.
All right, we are we are back. I told you it was thirty second break. I'm watching this Pacers Bucks game right now in Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena. The what is it? The in season tournament semifinal. Pretty wild. Anyways, I'm going to bring on my next guest. I told you we were going to talk about this Utah Tech California Baptist game in Riverside last night, and who better to talk a little bit about it than the voice of the Lancers, the broadcaster, the Arizona State alum who got a big win over SMU. The other day, Braden Bell, my friend, how are you doing, buddy? Wow. Well, first off, it, it's been too long. Um, <laughs> I, I thought I had done something wrong. I don't get invited on these shows anymore. So uh, it, it's good to be back on with you. Um, I'm, I'm liking the hoodie look. Uh, it's freezing in Utah right now. Leave me alone. So it's cold. And I was oh. under the weather yesterday. So I'm trying to get stay healthy. So I go on the flight to Oregon State on Saturday with UVU. Uh, mm to cover that game in Corvallis. So, you know, you're a Utah guy. It's freezing this time of year. Oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not hating whatsoever. I, I'm saying it because that would be me if I was if I was up in Utah as well. So there's no hate <laughs> being given out. So let's not take it as that. Um, okay. But, but I, I, it's a good look. So, But thanks for having me back on. Of course, of course. So let's – first off, there were two five-second calls back-to-back. <laughs> Like, have you ever seen that in a college bat? I don't even say college basketball in a basketball game before. Like, that was weird. Last night, late, what was that? With like seven seconds to play, too. Yeah. So I think I the first one for Utah Tech happened with about eleven seconds left. Um, and then CBU got the ball, same exact spot on the baseline. They inbound the ball to Brantley Stevenson. It's deflected out of play, which then uh, led to a review. Uh, to see if if it was still CBU's ball, if it was Utah Tech, then of course, as always, working on the clock. Um, so that led to about a minute delay, essentially a free timeout for both sides. CBU was out of timeout, so it was it was beneficial to CBU because the call stayed with uh, CBU that didn't have enough evidence to overturn it. And then, yes, a, a second uh, five second call. So yeah, there was one inbound in between, but it was essentially back to back five second calls. I've never seen it, and I went back and watched the game this morning. Both of them were really quick five-second calls. I, I've noticed, and I'm sure you have as well, that in the past, it's almost like a, you know, Mississippi, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. On this, especially the second one that was called against CBU, and even the first one against Utah Tech as well, it was almost like four and a half seconds. Uh, that that last second um, in the crucial moments of the game, it was a really quick call. So, yeah, insane, bizarre um, so many weird parts of that game, and, and it was conference basketball at its finest because it wasn't always pretty. At times, it was beautiful. There were highlights. It was intense. And then, you know, just as I called it, waction. Uh, yeah. down the stretch night. I did hear that. I did hear that thrown out there last night in that game, waction. I, I liked it. I, I, think I it thought was of you as I said it. I thought of you as I said it. And, and everyone <laughs> that is a, a part of the uh, Wack Hoops Nation family i gotta ask you these two you know we're at the d2 level together now they're in d1 in the same conference like and you you were on the radio call was it two years ago in that crazy utah tech comeback at riverside uh at the when it when it was the cbu event center not the fowler event center what is it about these two teams that like these games are are wild and wild finishes yeah they're awesome and i think a lot of it comes down to the coaches that they're 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 so familiar with each other in conference basketball we know this 
you know, the scouts are so much more in depth and, and everything's known more and more, but for CBU and Utah tech, there is not another program in the conference that knows these programs as well as each other because of the history back in D two days. And, and even more rare is it's the two longest tenured coaches in the conference. So Judkins has been there now 19 years and what a great job he's done so far with this team this season playing a bunch of road games and the record they have. And, and I was really impressed by them last night in terms of their overall uh, roster and ability to kind of piece together uh, points and, and get defensive stops. And then you have CBU and, and, you know, coach Croy has been there for 11 years. So I think more so than anything, it's just a couple of coaches that know each other very, very well. They know their tendencies for many years dating back. And then both of these teams and programs kind of take on, the attitudes of their head coaches. I asked both Coach Judkins and uh, Coach Croy because I talked to Coach Judkins earlier in the week leading up to the game um, just for some information on, on the roster. And then I asked Coach Croy a few hours before tip-off if you had to describe the matchups over the years uh, using three words. And the first word for both coach, instantly, physical. So, and, and that's what it was last night. It was very physical, and I think – the difference in the game ultimately was that Utah tech was just a bit more physical. If you look at yeah. well, the big blocks they made and, and certainly in terms of the points in the paint um, is, is something that I know on CBU side that they're going to have to address going forward and, and they will. Um, but, but yeah, to answer your question in full, I think it's, it's simply because these, these coaching staffs, especially coach Judkins and coach Croy, they just know each other so well. So you talked about this physicality. I'm going to play a video clip here. Uh, that shows some of this physicality that we were talking about uh, because we you text me a little bit at like a media timeout about this guy, Ahmed Ole Inka, I believe is how you say it. I, I'm going to be saying this forever. It's uh, I wrote it down here. Ole Inka with a poster and a chance at a three point play. I mean, oh, he reared back. We've seen the aggressiveness defensively and an all time poster. Then a chance at an and one. Oh, uh, it just, How many you know, times you see the player? Like, you saw that in person. Like, what, what are you thinking there as you're watching this guy go up like that and throw it down over a dude? Like, so some in, in, important context on Hamed Oleinka. Previous season high was four points, and he'd done it three times. Um, he's, he's a seldom used guy, you know, he's obviously on the board cause he does get minutes, but it's a guy, let's be frank, that averages two points and 1.7 rebounds per game. So it's not someone that you're necessarily focusing on in terms of prep. The right. one thing I did have in prep about him was that he was a good shot blocker and that he's one of 11 guys in the whack so far that's averaging one block per game. The thing that you don't see in that clip, phenomenal dunk. And he had three very solid dunks that by yeah. far the best one, but a, a possession or two before that, he blocked two shots in the same possession. One of them might have been a goaltend. Um, it was not called. But he had, and, and you'll understand this, he had kind of that Rudy Gobert impact on the game defensively when he was on the floor. And he got a bunch of minutes because of uh, Tanner Christensen being in foul trouble for the majority of the first half. He had that impact in terms of, Lancer guards and and everyone driving in and the CBU team has a lot of slashers. They love to get inside the painted area. They were having to think about him and, and he made an impact in that way. And then on that dunk, I said after the game, it, it reminded me of prime DeAndre Jordan with the Clippers. Um, just with the he, he got rimmed. DeAndre Jordan didn't get rimmed. This one got rimmed. True. 
True. And that was over, it was over a six eleven defender and sure he was looking to take the charge. Those hands weren't up, but I mean, it wasn't like he was dunking over a six, two guard. It was right. So yeah, unbelievable dunk. And he was, he was great last night. And I think that was one of the big reasons why Utah Tech did it. Not only because he, he scored a season high in points, what do you have here? He had 11. Yeah. Um, he also was obviously contributing in terms of his defense as well. Okay, we're going to show the video clip of the block party, the play that you're talking about just a minute ago here. Defensively, so it's There's one. Easy. A block off the backboard. There's two. Stays with it, kicks out to and then there's the third. So he got the three-pointer and, and he got the first shot. The second shot. I still want to find well, out your thought on this. Okay, look at – he falls over – or with Turi that fell over, over Udrago. Udra- 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 yeah. Like, how did they not call a foul there? Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of contact. I, I mean, I, I guess the call would be obviously there was there was body contact. So, but but I, is it like you fell on the guy? I, I guess that would be the call. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You, that's a really good point. I didn't notice that in real time because you're calling the game and, and so much stuff is happening. But yeah, certainly that. That could have been a call. It, it, there was there were moments in that game yesterday where, and I, I might have texted you this, but it, it was sloppy. Yeah. And a lot of it was because of how physical it was, and there were bodies going all over the floor, and both these teams will, will lay out on the floor to try to pick up a loose ball. So it wasn't necessarily always pretty, and that possession was kind of a good example of that. But, yeah, his, his effort defensively last night was really, really impressive, and he's obviously got that long reach, and – He's a weapon to have off the bench. I'm not sure he'll score 11 points again in a game this season, uh, but he's the kind of guy that even if he's not scoring, he can still impact the game just by being on the floor. So CBU is one-on-one in whack play. They got the big win at at Southern Utah, and then you know last night against Utah Tech, obviously. Dominic Daniels had 30 points last night, and he missed probably more shots than they thought he would miss, so he could have probably went for 40. Watching him off the dribble, I feel like he's unguardable when he gets downhill. Like his quickness is, uh, and I think you and your broadcast partner brought it up a couple times when he beats somebody off the dribble to the rim. Uh, it's hard to describe how quick he is, especially off that first step. Yeah, no question. And and not only is he quick at the first step, but he's also shifty when he gets in traffic, cause he's not the biggest guy. Um, he, he's not even six foot tall, but, but it doesn't matter. Um, he's, he's really good at adjusting in a tight area, kind of squeezing through a little bit of a hole and then even adjusting midair. He can finish with both hands driving to the basket as well. So yeah, I, I think the most impressive thing for him last night was, you know, he entered the game at 41% from three. Um, he, he did not shoot well. I have it in for three of 14 from, from three point range. And I right. don't think I see that happen many more times in terms of, a percentage the volume was was high in terms of the amount of threes he took but still ended up with 30 points so yeah he's i texted you this early on in the season and even just watching him in the in the preseason and i think this will get whack fans you know kind of familiar if you haven't seen dominique daniels jr yet he's kind of got that ability of a darian trammell in terms of scoring um a smaller guard can can score in many different ways i think uh, Dominique Daniels Jr. Is, is a quicker player, as you just said. Uh, Tramel may be a bit more fluid at this point, but a, a Juco guy, the stories are similar. Yeah. Um, 
and and yeah, obviously a great get in the portal for CBU, and and he's been a lot of fun to watch, and and it, it, more so than anything, he's been fun to watch because he really is one of those guys that uh, it's all about winning. You know, he could have had he could have had eight points. He would have traded the thirty for eight if it meant a win last night. And I know he didn't care about the thirty because it ended up in a loss. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a sign of a good player though. When you don't care about how many you get, you just want to win ball games. I think that's a team guy and big time, you know, thought there on Dominic Daniels Jr., who's been electric for the Lancers this season so far. Now they have a week off. I, I wonder, you know, your thoughts. You can't probably you can't speak for the team, obviously. But to have what six days off before you go to Eugene and take on the ducks on December twelfth. You think they might want to get back on the floor sooner rather than wait a whole week to play? I mean, I know it's probably finals week, so that's kind of why they're taking the time off. Um, but still, like after a loss like that, where it's heartbreaker, where you're, you know, it's a conference game, you want to get back on the floor. Yeah, no question. Well, and I was thinking about this this morning. There's now two losses for CBU, both of which on your home floor by a combined six points. Yeah. Half court buzzer beater um, against Portland State, which, you know, I think Big Sky has been very good at that lately because Portland State's had two of them, and then Northern Arizona had one last night against ACU. So yeah, they're they're just ripping the heart out heart out of the whack, or I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but but yeah. So the the good news about the Portland State one was that it was in the middle of the MTE, and so CB got to play the next day, and yeah. and you could tell they were excited to play the next day. Right. But the Lancers had the day off today. Um, no, no practice or anything. Um, and then they'll, they'll be back again and practicing, but yeah, of course, I think it's one of those deals where, you know, in, in coach Croy, and I think any other coach in the conference would, would say the same thing. It's that's the good part about being a basketball coach rather than a football coach, because if you're a football coach, you're always having to wait a week. Normally it's not like that, but in this instance it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's interesting in terms of where the schedule lines up now, going to Oregon, and of course that's a Power 5 road matchup, um, it, it, a team in which you play on paper. Of course, many people would expect Oregon to win, but we saw CBU win it at Washington last year. So, of course, there's there's a chance for a win there. But then And then you turn around and you're on the road, but you're taking on UC Riverside in, in a crosstown showdown rivalry kind of matchup. So it, it's... Yes, there's a break, but they're two fun matchups. Like I think if you were to circle maybe the most anticipated um, non-conference matchups in terms of like CBU fans, people around the program, the Oregon one, of course, is fun because name recognition, and then right. UC Riverside is fun because it's it's your it's your you know crosstown rival. So it's a bummer they have to wait. Of course, I'm sure they would love to play again Saturday. Um, but it, it's good that it's not, you know, an, an, a non D one. And then, you know, with all due respect to like a Chicago state, it's, it's better that it's not that it, it's right. a couple of fun games next week. Yeah. So speaking of Chicago state, I mean, we, they got Oregon, UC Riverside next week. Then they have Western Kentucky the week after, and then two days after Christmas, they host Chicago state, the Cougars who, like I mentioned earlier in the show, they are going to the NEC next year. Great to see they're joining conference. And then December 30th, the night before New Year's Eve, Las Cruces. I'll be there in Las Cruces at the Pan American Center when former WAC foes, CBU and New Mexico State, do battle on that scheduling initiative. So uh, I get a 
I get a heavy dose of CBU basketball within a within a five day span, Braden, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so, I I just pieced it together that we open uh, after the new year at Utah Valley. So yeah, yeah. that's great for you. Um, yeah. And then I'm coming to Riverside in February too. So uh, got that plan, that trip all worked out with my dad. He's going to come with me, and so oh, February eighth when. The Lancers host UT Arlington. We'll be down there for that ball game too. So you are you are a one man college game day of whack hoops. <laughs> and Kyle McDonald is on campus. I don't know. Daryl went to the CBU Utah Tech game last night in St. George, so uh, he's he's trying to make his rounds too. But uh, and how about how, we got to touch on them as well? I, I was just about to get to them. So <laughs> seven and zero, two and zero in whack play. They beat a Portland team that smoked Oregon last week. Jared Olson's team is really, really, really good. Like, at least so far. I mean, there's nowhere else to put it. Like, Chloe Webb has been awesome. Grace Schmidt is doing her thing. And I think she's doing it quietly because the guards have been so good. So, I mean... Chloe Lemon coming off the bench, giving double, you know, giving double digits. Uh, Philippa Barrows coming off the bench. Like Kinsley Barrington has had big games. I mean, this is a team that one plays fast, but I also kind of think they take after their head coach and like we're just gonna go play ball, plain and simple. Like I think I told Jared this when I talked to him two weeks ago that. I saw him like get really mad. I, I don't know if it was at a player or an official, like after a play. And it was right in front of his bench and he was screaming. It was after a turnover, too. So I'm assuming he was at the player. But I told him, I was like, that's the only time I've ever seen you raise your hands like that and like stomp the floor. <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry. I probably won't be doing that anymore again. But he's like, I don't do that a lot. So uh, yeah, I mean, this Lancer team is really, really good. And you've seen them, and you've talked to their head coach quite a bit with being being on broadcast too. What is it about him and his teams that just they continue to win no matter what? He's he's just the best, isn't he? I, I mean, the, the thing about Coach Olson that I think does translate a little bit into his teams year after year after year is, is that demeanor he has um, where – I've told this story before, but last year – and you were, you were there actually – uh, it was right before the the championship game at the WAC tournament last year. And what other coach in any other sport, not to mention March Madness on the line, will walk up to the radio broadcaster 15 minutes before tip, and we started talking about places we like to eat. <laughs> Unbel- That's just how Coach Olson is, yeah. though. You, you, I could talk to him in his office in July or 10 minutes before a championship game to determine whether or not you go to the NCAA tournament. And the conversations might be similar. That's just how he's wired. Not to mention the fact that he's an incredible strategic head coach. But I do think um, the the overall calmness kind of seeps into his roster. Yeah. You don't ever really see them out of control or see them in a, in a situation where it might seem too big for them or or they lose who they are. I think they're really good at staying in in what they are and what they excel at. And obviously so far they've, They've had the benefit of Chloe Webb, you know, taking the biggest leap, I think, out of any player in the conference, maybe. Um, she was she was a good player last year. She's taken it to great, which is which is hard to do. Um, but but yeah, it, it's been really fun to watch. I mean, 
who knows it's it's college basketball so anything can happen but they're looking at a schedule now where they could easily get into not easily but they could get into uh conference play in january that is uh, undefeated yeah i i mentioned that when i started this broadcast that looking at their schedule like nothing against the other teams in the league they could be i think it was like 13 and 0 when they go to abilene christian in january like there's just that possibility um i don't know how good pepperdine is i don't know how good la tech is They're struggling um but i mean they they play pepperdine on the road cal state fullerton at home la tech and texas southern on the road in a in a texas trip pre christmas and then they have 11, almost two weeks off before they play Utah Valley and Seattle at home to renew to uh, get whack play going again. So, I mean, if they continue, the, the thing that I like, here's the thing I like. They know their identity. They know that they want to get up and down the floor. They want to shoot a lot of threes. And they want to play off, you know, the offensive rebound and stuff, stuff like that. They want to play off of that. Like, that's their game. And they're not going to change it. And I feel like that's been his, the mantra ever since at least I started covering them when you guys joined the WAC, especially with Ana Oleda, Caitlin Harper, and those teams. Like, they know their identity. They know what they want to do. And he just says, go do it. Yeah. And there's, like you said, there's no panic because their coach doesn't panic and their coach doesn't tense up like he's just a laid back California guy <laughs> and he's and he's a Nebraska guy at heart so but he fits the west coast so well yeah um, I'll, I'll say this as well kind of kind of closing out on on uh coach Olson and this team the other thing that's really impressed me so far that I think will pay dividends because you know it I mean there are good teams at the top of the whack and it's not like it's going to be a cakewalk for this team like it was in their undefeated regular season. It's a much better conference now. Uh, you look at GCU is obviously very solid. You look at Stephen F. Austin. I mean, you you know it. Of course, there are good teams around this league. Um, but the thing that's maybe impressed me so far, and it hasn't really been through these first two conference games, but especially at the beginning of the year for this team, they had to win close games. Yep. There's no way you can train for that, prepare for that, practice for that really better than a real game situation. And not only have they had some of those close games, overtime win against UTEP, some other close games um, earlier in the year as well, they've won all of those close games. So that to me is maybe the most impressive thing of all so far is the fact that, you know, they haven't just been blowing these teams out. They've played a pretty solid schedule and they're kind of in the position. Uh, and, and yes, I understand it's December 7th, they're kind of in that position and it will continue to grow if they keep winning these games that Stephen F. Austin was in last year where they had such a huge lead in the resume standings that it is a huge advantage just because of how we see things now going yeah. to uh, going into January. Of course, things can change, but they already have that sizable advantage. Well, yeah, I mean, they're what is this one point or two points, seven, six points above. Massive. Grand Canyon right now, like, and that's not even counting the Utah Tech win last night, and they're going to get .63 points for that. So they're going to be up over three after they're all how they're recalculated. So yeah, they they could be in that spot. And the the, the impressive thing is, you know, like we talked about with the close games, they haven't played a non D one. They don't play a non D one this year, which that means they're going to get more points because they don't play a non D one. 
in that resume seating system, more opportunity. And they're taking advantage of their opportunity so far this this through the first month. I, God, it's only been a month since we started the college basketball season. It feels like we've been in for two or three months already, but yeah, pretty wild. I, I've got one more thing for you. I, I don't know what time you're kicking me off or whatever, but I, I've, I think I've come to a conclusion of what this year in the whack uh, may be on the men's side. After, after watching, no one watches more games than you, but I, I've watched enough now to kind of have a feeling. I'm curious your take here. It's going to be, and here's your comparison, Pac-12 football, not this year, but all other years, where I think GCU is probably listed as the favorite right now, but I think it could be all-out chaos the rest of the conference. I think that it's very, very, and I think last night showed it well with what Utah Tech did on the road. It, it could truly be any team, any night. You're going to have to bring your A game, and if you slip up even in the slightest bit, we can see just all-out, topsy-turvy madness when it comes to this conference. And and that even makes it more interesting given the uh, resume seating, because I don't know if there's much wiggle room from, from maybe the second team in this conference, whoever you want to say that is down to 10 or 11. I, I really think it's going to be a really exciting season. I, I'm curious your take on that, but that's kind of what I've hypothesized. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, it's hard to say because it wasn't like Grand Canyon dominated their two whack games. Like the yeah. UTRGB game was closer than that 10-point final score. And they had to come back to beat UT. Like they had to hit 10 free throws down the stretch to beat UT Arlington in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And here's the other kicker. If that athletic article is true where there may be an injunction put on these two-time transfer, the eligibility rule or whatever – UT Arlington could have Philip Russell back as you get into WAC play in January. So I agree with you. I think this is going to be a wild league. It's not TCU's up there. Okay. We, we all know that they're good. They're, they're the best team. They're, they're the favorites. We're, we're going to, we're not going to deny that because they have proven that, but I don't know that it's going to be a complete runaway. Like people are thinking right now, because it is so hard to win in this league, and it's so so many different playing styles that, I mean, think about it. GCU and Utah Valley went to Tarleton last year. GCU was down by 30 at one point. Utah Valley lost by 20, and, and the- Utah Valley won the regular season. So, yeah, it, I mean, it, like Seattle won at GCU last year, right? Utah V won on a buzzer beater at GCU last year. There is so much going on that just because of what a team does in their non-conference slate doesn't mean that's necessarily what they're going to do in their conference slate because it's so much different. Because everybody knows everybody. They know what to prepare for. Yeah, I – I, yeah, that's that's where I'm, I'm – I agree with you. I think it's going to be one of those leagues this year where we don't know what's going to happen because – No clue. I mean, who would have thought that Tarleton and Utah Tech would be 2-0 in whack play after the first two whack games? Right? I, I was just I was just going to say that. I, I think we found as a society, uh, fax machines are, are not very popular anymore. We'll go <laughs> the, CD the CD player role of college basketball is a preseason poll. Throw it out. What yeah. do we do? In the transfer portal era, none of us know anything. Utah Tech was 
picked to finish dead last yep. um, in their 2-0 and against the defending league champions and a road game at CBU, a team who won by... Now, to be five. fair, to be fair, a lot of teams have a lot of new faces. So yeah, that's I, what I'm saying. That's why they're pulling that out there. So we just don't know what we're going to get, right? No. Like Utah Valley looked like a million bucks the other night against Weaver State without Drake Allen, you know, who was hurt and shoot around. So, like, what, what, that's the question. What team are we going to get night in and night out? And you just don't know in this league, especially this early. Yeah. I mean, Southern Utah gets blown out by CBU. And then they hang around with Seattle to lose by double digits still. Then they go and hang with Utah the other night, lose by two. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun, and it's going to be entertaining, and it's going to be must-watch basketball. Uh, and, again, the thing is, every that this is the other thing. To start off 2-0 and in whack play or 0-2, that is so important because remember, only eight teams make it to the WAC tournament. So you don't want to be in that bottom three. And right now, ACU, UTRGV, and Southern Utah are in that bottom three. So, I mean, who thought ACU was going to be 0 2 to start WAC play either? So, I don't know, Brad. It's going to be fun and it's going to be awesome. And we're going to see you in Las Cruces in what, three weeks? Yeah, it's coming up quick. I, uh, I'm going to the Sun Bowl the day before, too. So uh, when do you guys get in? Well, I'll, I'll talk to you off, off the air. and we'll, we'll I, I didn't even think about that. I look into that. We will chat about that. Anyways, you guys, we're going to close off the show now. We've been at it for a little while here. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, make sure follow Braden on Twitter at Braden Bell PXP. Right? That's, I got it right. Yep. I think I got it right. Yep. Right off the bat. Okay. He knows um, and then, you know, follow or subscribe to the Wackoops Nation Substack page. Uh, we always appreciate the support. And everybody, enjoy the rest of your Thursday evening. Thanks for listening to the Straight Out of Wack podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Remember to follow Wack Hoops Nation on all your favorite social media platforms.